I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome into today's episode of the Top Cut Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast. My name is Sonny, and I am here with my co-host, Caleb, and a very, very special guest. We have Zara, a.k.a. Fifth Rate Duelist. What's up, Zara? How are you doing? Uh, hey, I'm okay. Um, I uh, slept through something important this morning, and like a responsible person, I'm now streaming. So, yeah. Oh, um, no. Yeah, just, uh, we, we don't talk about it. I just explained, like, oh, I'm very irresponsible and apologize, and I'll just go tomorrow. So, yeah, that's a great introduction to myself now that I think about it. That is perfectly okay. So, for those that don't know Zara, um, I don't know how you wouldn't know Zara at this point. She has had a, like, meteoric rise to the community. She has quickly become... Um, I, one of my favorite streamers, personally, and I'm sure a favorite of many. Oh, your, thank you. You're welcome, absolutely. Your competitive content, your consistently good content, and the awesome interviews that you put together have quickly made you one of my, you know, one of my favorite streamers. I, I enjoy watching your streams. They're a lot of fun. So for anybody that is not already following and not already supporting Zara on Twitch, please be sure to do that. Her Twitch links will be in the description below as well as her Twitter link because her Twitter is gold. I'm just saying. My Twitter is trash, but thank you for thank you for calling it that. One man's trash is another man's treasure. It's golden trash. That's all I'm saying. So Okay, as long as we agree it's trash because I don't want anyone <laughs> to have any standards for me. I'm not going to post good content anymore. It's just going to be about birds. So There's nothing wrong with that. Birds are awesome, to be fair. So, yeah. before we get too far in, now that we're done with introductions, I do want to take a quick moment to thank all of our Patreons. 
It's all right. It's not a crazy long list, but a huge thank you to Austin Johnson, Kane Martin, Mocha, Myth Oceanus, Pigs, Guz Daddy, AD, Aaron Gardner, Anthony Leela, Damian Zink, Mountain Man, Owen Alvarado, Jeremy Drysdale, Ray Powell, and Sunny Sweet. Thank you all so much for your continued support. And for those listening for the first time, if you would like to find us, you can find us on Twitter at Top Cut Podcast and through our Discord, which the link will be in the description below. Whew. Okay. I feel like that was... Yeah, well, I'm burning through the intro because we don't want to run over on time. And but, you know, we want to be able to get to the full conversation. Yeah, I mean, I have time because when I'm done talking to you, I'm just going to get wrecked by viewers. So um, I have time. After my son goes to bed, I'm coming for you. We're going to do some testing. (laughs) Um, I don't know how to play the stick at all. You know what? That's fine. Uh, I also just picked up a new deck, so all's fair. Okay. I like it. Awesome. So I do want to take a moment to let all of our regular listeners know. I know that a lot of people are coming here hoping that we talk about all the reveals in Brothers of Legend, as well as some of the stuff that we have leaks already for the following set, which is Battles of Chaos. Or no, Grand Creators. I'm sorry, Grand Creators. And there are some new cards as well. I would like to let you all know that all of that information will be covered in next Tuesday's episode. And we we wanted to devote a lot of time to Zara and make sure that we really tell the full story here. So um, if you want all of that information, you'll have to wait for the next episode. So um, now Zara. <laughs> oh, no, don't be. I, I think this is a much, much better content, a much more interesting episode personally. Um. I would like to take just a moment to talk about you uh, and namely your journey through Yu-Gi-Oh. So if you don't mind, would you tell us a little bit about your start in the game, where you come from, where you began, and um, maybe a little bit about your next steps after that? Okay, sure. So it all started with me in college where I was talking to my friend and for some reason we started talking about Yu-Gi-Oh! And I was like, wow, I used to love that show. And then he told me about the Abridged series and I started watching it. And then that got me to watch the rest of the anime that I had uh, never really got to. And I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And then me and my friends were... uh, we're talking about Yu-Gi-Oh! And we're like, dude, let's go to the store and get some Yu-Gi-Oh! cards. And I was like, yeah, let's do it! So we went to this random card shop, and I picked up a Merrick structure deck. And um, I forget what my friend brought picked up. Um, and then we played, and we probably didn't play correctly. Um, I think I was using excuses like, well, this is how it works in the anime. And um, it was just a, a a very, like, fun experience that lasted, like, a day, and then we got bored of it. Um, and then after college, I was um, living with my parents and just, you know, chilling. And then I found my Yu-Gi-Oh cards, and I just kind of was like, man, it would be so fun to play the game, like, for real. So I started going to uh, locals with my Merrick Structure deck, and I kept losing. Um, but, you know, I worked on it, um, and I played for, 
you know, maybe like four months. And I got to the point where I was getting second in the weekend tournament, um, which is like, you know, not bad for someone that like was playing with a broke ass deck. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, broke, broke, broke deck. Um, and let's see. Yeah. So then I quit the game because I kind of didn't really make friends, felt a little disconnected. Dudes were weird. And then eight years later, I was cleaning my garage and I found my Yu-Gi-Oh cards and I was like, oh, I kind of want to play again. Um, and so I took my eight years old Gravekeeper's deck to locals. I'm like, I didn't know what Pendulum or Link Summoning were. Um, so I just kind of <laughs> played. And like the thing is that Necker Valley is a busted card. And so I like beat like a bunch of Thunder Dragon Slayers, even though I didn't know how any of the cards were. Like I legit remember like seeing a Link monster and like being like, is that a ritual monster? Like, why does that have arrows next to it? I was just very, very confused. Um, and then I kind of, someone noticed that I should probably learn the new rules of the game. So they sat with me for like two hours and um, they kind of taught me about the new game rules and, um, you know, what link monsters were in Pendulum Monsters. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, and then I started playing and, um, it was difficult, like the game was just moving really fast, there were a lot of effects and stuff like that, um, and then my deck just plain sucked because I was playing stuff like Fiendish Chain and um, freaking Solemn Warning and stuff like that, and so, yeah. Um, and then, time the pandemic happened, no, 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 before the pandemic, um, oh, by the way, I came back around Eternal Format in November 2019. And then uh, Spiral, like, there was that ban list where they just banned, like, the four main decks. Um, and then Spiral happened, and I didn't like the format, so I quit. And then Pandemic happened, so I wasn't playing. And then um, I just kind of, like, got it. Like, my, my friend Tracy Cakes was um, doing, like, this, like, woman NB... LGBTQ tournament and so I was like oh you know I want to play in that and so um I got my Shadal deck um just online and I learned that um and I was like yeah you know I'm gonna have to invest in like a good deck and so my birthday rolled around November 2020 so I bought um Invoke Shadals which I call my broke bleep deck broke bleep Shadal deck uh Sorry, I'm going to accidentally say it because I just say it so casually, but Broke Bleep Shadal deck. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, like, uh, that's whenever I kind of was like, you know, maybe I should learn how to play this game. And so I started this uh, series called Road to YCS on YouTube, where it was just documenting my journey of getting better at the game. And I made goals like, you know, let me enter a remote duel tournament. Let me enter an online tournament. And I just focused on that. And like, that's kind of when people started to find out about me. Because it was like, you know, I was streaming and I was obviously getting a lot better because I was taking the game seriously. And so people became interested in watching me because they wanted to see me grow at the rate I was doing. And then six months later, I got second place in this 180 man tournament at Gamers Choice in New York. 
And that's kind of when um, a lot more people started finding out about me. Um, and so, yeah, now I kind of play a little obsessively. I got known for playing Drytron. I had um, some competitive success with it. And now I'm trying to learn women in bird costumes. And it is not successful yet, but, you know, it takes time to learn. Just keep an eye out for Lyralisk, Bird Strike, and Brothers of Legend. That card is busted. Searchable Dark Ruler no more. Yeah. And there's like a draw too. Like, I don't know why Konami is like simping for for women in bird costumes right now because they're printing all these support cards for birds that are just going to make it even more broken. And I don't know why. I think it's their apology for simping for dudes in bird costumes for so long with black wings. <laughs> Maybe. Like, actually. They're like, hey, let's, let's, let's balance, let's, let's balance the universe. Let's print some girls in bird costumes for a little bit. I will say they printed an enormous amount of black wing support over the years. Yeah, so. black wings, uh, I played against like eight years ago. So. Why don't we play... Black Wings. Sorry, I had to. Um, big progression series fan. Um, <laughs> so your journey pretty much um, as far as your path to competitive success. When would you say was the time that you first started to look at the game and be like, I want to take this seriously. I want to play on like a high competitive level. Is there a particular moment or time or. Um. Yes. So when I started Roto ICS, like I did want to play competitively. Um, but uh I don't think I really imagined that I would be like, you know, traveling to events the way I do now. Um, so I would say probably when I, I became like really competitive was when I got second place at that tourney. Um because like I wasn't even expecting the top. Like I I thought I was going to do terribly. Like, I I was just very shocked that I took second place. And it was like, dude, I took second place without, like, realizing that, you know, like, while thinking that I just sucked at Yu-Gi-Oh! So, what would happen if I, like, rode this train and, like, worked on getting better? Um, could I continue to have competitive success? Right. And something that's really funny to me is you say that that's when you started to really take the game seriously competitively. But um, I personally remember watching your streams before that, uh, quite a ways before that. And um, I don't know your mindset better than you do. But I remember at the time, you know, seeing how seriously you were taking everything just at... You know, when just when you were playing the Invoke Shadal Dogmatica build, uh, I mean, you were already, in my opinion, pretty good. So, um, I, I'm not gonna lie, when you on Twitter, as you were doing your round by rounds in that tournament, I was, I was just cheering you on the whole way. So, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, I like to detail like how I'm doing throughout the tournament on Twitter. Um, just so, you know, everyone sees what's up type of a thing and I have people to talk to. So it was just nuts because when I was in that New York tournament, like, I was like, oh my god, I won. Oh my god, I won again. Oh my god, I won. Oh my god, I won. I'm at table one. I'm at table one, guys. 
it was just like you know felt like people were really paying attention because like they they were kind of invested in me doing well and um yeah whenever i posted that i got freaking second place um and i i uh, took a picture of my prizing and um yeah it like went viral and i was just like i i just got like hundreds of follows um you know on all my platforms it was just nuts it's awesome so do you think that that moment, that second place finish, do you think that it was a validation of all your efforts so far? Or do you think that getting second instead of first kind of just kind of stoked the flames more and made you want it even more than you ever did before? No, I was thrilled with getting second, man. I won <laughs> hundreds of dollars in Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Like, I was like, no freaking way. But, like, I did, like, struggle a lot with anxiety because I remember specifically being like, oh, my God, was it a fluke? Was it a fluke? And, um, you know, there there were times where people made comments about, like, you know, um, that it was a fluke, like, that, oh, you know, beginner's luck. Like, a, a lot of people made comments that kind of, like, took away from the accomplishment, Um which was very hurtful and it definitely got in my head. And I know that the remote dual YCS, the first one was a week after. And I freaking, um, I, I just did terribly because I was so freaked out. Like it was a mistake. Like, you know, I didn't deserve it. And it was just really, really in my head. And it was, um, very, very bad, um, experience. So, yeah. So that, that anxiety going into a tournament, I don't think that that's an exclusive thing. I think that that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Um, at basically the start of every tournament, whether it's locals, whether it's a case tournament, whether it's a regional, a YCS, it does not matter. Every tournament that I've ever played in on pretty much any level, um, even to this day, when I go... And I sit down against my first opponent at locals. My hands shake. Oh yeah. I mean, they so much. I can barely hold my cards. They shake so much. And it's not until I'm about ten to fifteen minutes into round one that it even starts to calm down a little bit. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I, I, my hands don't shake round one, but I do kind of feel that nervous tension. But after round round one's over and done with, I'm like, okay, I got this. I can breathe. Yeah. Which is why I almost always lose round one and then go undefeated for the rest of the day. He says that. He says that. Hey, hey, oh hey. Oh my, I wish I were you, man. The confidence. You know what it, you need to do? You need to have a warm-up duel and lose that one so that way you can go undefeated for the rest exactly. of the day. Exactly. That's, hey, that's a good plan. That's a good plan. Warm-up duel before round one? Mm-hmm. This man, you know what? We're going to Pasadena. I'm going to make sure that we duel before we leave for the event. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, this past weekend, I was in a GOAT tournament with Pac-Man. Lost round one, went undefeated the rest of the day. With Pac-Man. In GOAT. Pac-Man? Is that Pac? But, like, <laughs> someone else? Okay, okay, it, so... It's for pure advantage camel, munches all noobs. It's it's a it's a GOAT deck centered around a zombie camel called Deslacuda. And it is... It's something. It's it's a control deck based around just uh, just uh, punching your opponent in the face with advantage until they just give up. 
Yeah, it's literally draw one, flip this card back face down. Next turn, draw another. Yeah. Uh, Swarm of Scarabs and Locusts where it's flip, pop a, pop something, and then flip them back down. Next turn, flip, pop something, back down. Yeah. Poke for 500 at a time. Oh my, it's, that sounds very annoying. It's the worst. It's honestly horrible. I hate playing against it. It's just floodgates. It's horrible. It's really fun to, to, to pilot the deck and to watch. It is terrible to play against it. <laughs> I would argue... Yeah. It's not a dumb name. It's the best name ever. So, anyway. But, it's a... So... I, th- I think, like, everyone can kind of, you know, relate to tournament anxiety. Like, um, for instance, like, Cody Angeloff, um, you know, who's helped me quite a bit as my coach. Um he talked about how he had really bad anxiety when he first started going to Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments. And I'm like, really? Like, you're the freaking national champion. Like, that's absolutely nuts type of a thing. And I definitely have anxiety. It was much worse at the beginning, but it's it's gotten a lot better. And it also helps that now I have Yu-Gi-Oh friends. So when I go to tournaments, I'm no longer alone. And that definitely helps anxiety. That is in my opinion, one of the best ways to help. So I have found the only thing that I can do to help my tournament anxiety is before the tournament starts, I find my group, I go, I talk to all my friends, and then I just talk nonstop until pairings go up. I go straight into my round, I duel, and then as I come out to, as I finish my tournament, I immediately go back outside, I get the fresh air, and I always try to... um I always try to recount my round, think about what I've done, think about if I played well, if I played poorly. I just try to think through my plays, and it takes my mind off of um, what's actually happening. Um, For example, I was in a case tournament. uh, I guess it was about... It was Burst of Destiny Sneak Peek Weekend. I remember that tournament. Yeah. I went 5-1 and in that tournament, got fourth after swiss it was my best tournament result that i've ever had um because i'm still we just got back into the game about 18 months ago so um it's been a journey honestly for me also but this is not about me and i think that stepping back and reflecting after each round is the only thing that's helped me personally um do you have any kind of routine or ritual that you go through just to kind of uh, psych yourself up and get ready for the tournament and try to quell that anxiety? Uh, so I, w- I really uh, uh, make an effort to get breakfast um, beforehand. Um, and then I also make sure I have one warm-up duel, at least one warm-up duel before the event. Um, because the first game of the day, I just played terribly. I just, it's so bad how I play. Um, and so I just need to like have the game, get losing out of the way, get my nerves out of the way. And then after that, I can freaking, um, you know, play, uh, play Yu-Gi-Oh a lot better. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, I think the breakfast helps quite a bit. Um, but yeah, that kind of stuff is, like, a lot easier to do, um, like, for in-person tournaments um, versus, like, you know, uh, remote dual tournaments, which you don't necessarily have people to play with. And, um, 
you might be too lazy to get breakfast because you roll out of bed and then go to your computer like me. Yeah, I think that there's... I, I think you're right. That's... Yeah, I just think you're right. Um, eating breakfast and making sure that you're going in, like, with a sound mind and, like, understanding your situation and your surroundings, I think, is the best advice I can give to anybody. Especially, like, YCSs and stuff. These things start at, like, 10 o'clock in the morning, and you're going to be there literally all day. You know, eat a good breakfast, get a good head start, and be ready to go. So. Yeah, I also have snacks that I can eat throughout the day just because it's hard to get a meal going. Um, and I think that's really important, too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I usually like to bring, like, a little cliff Bar or, like, a little, the little Cuties oranges, things like that. Oh, good, good suggestion. I might do that. I usually just you get, like, little granola bars. Yeah. So, um, which makes me wonder at Pasadena what they're going to be what kind of food they're going to have available because I don't want to eat like greasy fried food and like stuff that's going to like, I want to eat like a salad or something. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, maybe, ooh, maybe some trail mix. That'd be a good one. Are you going to Pasadena? Yes, I am. Woo. Whoop, whoop. We, uh, we, I don't know how we're just cobbling together the money. We like, we're like, we're not missing this. There's no shot. We're bringing all of our recording equipment. We are just, we have we have literally an Airbnb booked from Thursday through Tuesday, and we're going to record an episode every night. Okay, cool. I like it. Yeah, we're super duper pumped. We're gonna have, we're we're uh, hoorah. Yeah, we're uh, we're rooming with Giant Skyhawk. I think you've met Giant Skyhawk, yeah. Oh yeah, I know him pretty well. <laughs> he's a great so. singer, by the way. He is. He is. He posts some of the things that he's working on in our music channel on Discord server, and he is pretty good. Yeah, Better than me. <laughs> um, so, I... Oh, I remember. I was trying to remember my next question. <laughs> what made you decide to transition from a strong, control-heavy strategy like Invoke Shadal Dogmatica into a more combo-heavy strategy like Drytron? First of all, I did not play Dogmatica because I had broke Ashy Dolls, so um, <laughs> there was no Dogmatica. I just there was no product prosperity. There were no expensive cards. It was just a budget build. So I really want to emphasize that I started with basically nothing. That's um, fair. So um, that sounds was, very familiar to me. <laughs> yeah, it was very difficult to get wins because. You know, sometimes it was just like, I just don't have, you know, the cards I need to win because I can't afford them. Um, so that I want to clarify. Uh, and then what made me switch from that to Drytron? Is that your question? Uh, yeah. So kind of what was the what was the thing that made you jump to uh, such a such a vastly different strategy? Oh, yeah. So you might laugh. You might laugh at this. But, like, I really like the pictures of, of Drytron. Like, I just, I've always liked the artwork. And, I don't know, I was very, like, attracted to the deck when it first came out. But I felt like it was too hard. Like, I wouldn't be able to learn it. Um, but I also do, like, ritual monsters. And I felt like there were a lot of really cool ritual monsters that were never viable. Because it, you know, it kind of sucks. Like, you know, ritual decks... 
sucked, you know. I, right. I mean that in the nicest way. And so that I really liked. And so I, I couldn't tell you that it had anything to do with how the deck was played. It was mostly just because I liked the pictures. Because, I don't know, I'm just like that. That's fair. That's fair. That's what got yeah. me sorry on the Dolce. I'm not going to lie. It's just I like the pictures. I, I will also say that, like, I didn't think I was capable of learning a combo deck, so it was kind of a personal challenge for me to learn the deck. It's like, you know, I didn't think it was possible. It's, I'm not good enough at the game to do it, so I just wanted to see if I could. And Cody was actually really big on that. He was saying anyone can learn any deck. And so, yeah, that's uh, that was up. That's awesome. Uh, I think that's funny that... I actually went into more of a combo-heavy strategy with my latest deck choice as well. So, um, but I, yeah, I, I understand entirely. I when I picked my first like actually competitive deck, I actually picked Tribrigade because I just think it's really cool and fun. So okay, cool. Yeah. So actually, wait, no, my first competitive deck was Gearji in 2013, but I don't count that because I wasn't good yet. So <laughs> that's fair. Um. So now that you've played a little bit of control and a little bit of combo, um, and I think now you're transitioning more to a mid-range deck, is there anything in particular that you prefer, whether it's combo, mid-range, control? Is there any one that really speaks to you that you think you would gravitate more to if you just had your choice? Um, let's see. Um, I think I do like degenerate combo decks. Um, because, like, I don't like going to time. Uh, and, for instance, in the last, like, two tournaments I did, I played 15 rounds with Drytron, and I never once went to time. Um, so I feel very adamant that, um, like, like, that type of deck is really good because also, like, I lack experience in the game, and so there are a lot of like rogue decks, like Sharps and and Mech Knight and Despia that I just don't know how they work. Um, and like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit there and learn how Sharps work. I'm just not going to do that. So yeah. combo decks are really good because they just prevent your opponent from playing. So I don't necessarily need to know how this random freaking sharp deck works uh i can just play through my board and negate appropriately and stop them from playing which i know is not like the most admirable tactic but for one of the extravaganzas i played invoke shadow and i struggled a lot because i played against these rogue decks and like i couldn't win because i didn't know when to interrupt and you know learning a deck through a remote duel is a nightmare because you can't read the cards and you're gonna go to time, so I just uh, I just feel like uh, it's really important for me to have a deck that just doesn't go to time very often. Right. Yeah, I don't I don't like going to time. I don't like dealing with time. Uh, it is not my thing. That's I'm just I'm very happy that I finally picked a deck that doesn't lose in time because it has natural burn built into the engine. <laughs> yeah. Are you playing Sword Soul or something? Maybe. Oh, I maybe. See. You're gonna <laughs> um, be like that. But uh, but I think I, mean, I am I am nothing if not a meta sheep. 
But uh, but, uh, uh, but I'm pretty sure that the whole hatred of the time rolls is kind of universal, though. Except for decks that run burn naturally. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't want to be at an event till 5 a.m. So if that means, like, there's time rolls where, unfortunately, sometimes you lose because of time, that's okay. Because I don't want to be in an event till that late. Like, the three turns back and forth or whatever... Um, I, that just sounds like a nightmare. Like, it sounds like rounds would take four freaking ever. Um, and at least time, like, introduces this level of, like, you need to play at a respectable pace. And, like, right. yes, I, I, I know that, you know, some people slow play. Yes, I know there's burn tactics. But if both people are playing at a reasonable pace, like, you shouldn't go to time. Um. Right. You know, I, there are exceptions, for example, if you're playing, like, a slow deck that's going to go to time. But, like, Dryfron should not go to time uh, 99% of the time. And if it does go to time, it's probably your opponent's fault or you don't know how to play the deck. Right. Is there any advice that you would give with the deck transitions that you've made over the last year to maybe picking up and learning a new deck or jumping into a competitive strategy, you know? Um, the majority of our listener base is either relatively new or like a very new players. And a lot of our, a lot of the players in our listener base find themselves playing a competitive strategy for the first time. So is there any advice that you would give to somebody that's, you know, getting into the competitive scene? Uh, yeah, you need to do a lot of solo play. You have to do a lot of test hands. Um, because you have to not just do the test hands to play without interruptions, but you have to imagine yourself getting interrupted. Like, if you play Drytron, you have to play through, you have to play hands and assume that you're going to get drawled, and you have to play through those hands. Um, and it's a lot of work, and it takes a lot of time, and it can be really freaking boring, but I do think that is a really important thing, because... If you're only learning while you do other people, like, you're going to take forever. Um, you know, you're not going to do the best learning. You're going to piss off your opponent because you're taking freaking forever to do something. And so I feel like you really need to put your homework in. Like, for me, for Drytron, I was new when I took it to the New York tournament. But I had a six-hour flight. And I, all six hours, I just sat there doing Drytron combos. Um, and that was how I learned the deck. And there's no freaking way I would have been able to get second place if I didn't do that. Uh, I would also say, and this seems obvious, but it's not, but read your cards. Like, multiple times. Like, especially if you're learning, just before you go to bed, pick up your deck and read the cards. Because you're going to notice things that you didn't notice the first time you read them. You know, you're going to be like, oh my god, you know, if that's used as XYZ material then uh control cannot switch um or oh my god yeah. you know nightmare phoenix when it's cooling stuff can't be destroyed your stuff can't be destroyed by battle um and so it's really important for you to just do the work to sit there and read it and i know it's boring um but i think you have to put the work in if you want to learn a deck yeah i think that is spectacular advice um you know just to relate, I found myself sitting in my man cave for like 
an hour last night, literally just reading and rereading all of my Sword Soul and Tenny cards. I called it. I called it. <laughs> you did. You absolutely did. Um, and yeah. I also try to read other cards for other decks and other strategies. Like if there's a deck that I'm like, know that like for example sky striker i struggle so much with sky striker i just i just stop the spells that's all i try to i just try to flip io that's all i know to do so <laughs> um you know knowing that i would try to maybe sit down and like read all my sky striker cards so uh, or salamangrate i don't know what a single salamangrate card does but i should probably sit down and like read the cards so yeah, salamangrate's not very good so i think you can beat it anyway uh and i can say that because i played salamangrate at one time right um that's fair but, but uh i will say that it's really important you do need to learn other people's deck um and so like what i would do is like for instance like um there was Alyssa who's stealthy peach who she um she played virtual world and i just couldn't beat virtual world so i just met with her and i said hey can you play some games with me and teach me about the cards um passion's really good like Tatsum's really good at explaining cards. Um and whoa, so we had video. Let's not give Tatsum too much credit. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Tatsum sucks. But other than that, he's a yeah, good no. guy. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I like Tatsum a lot. He's been on the podcast. He's really cool. That's good. Yeah. So Tat, um, he'll like sit down with me and like explain cards. And then his YouTube channel has like, you know, how do you beat blah blah blah. Um, but you really and like that's that's kind of really time consuming but like you know if you don't know how a deck works like you're not going to know it interrupt and um you're probably going to lose games that you can like i lost the plunder patrol if i knew what the hell that purple monster did like i would have saved droplets for my turn negated it and then i would have won um but you know i didn't do the research i didn't know what the cards did and as a result you know I had a loss where I most definitely would have been the winner. So yeah. Hilariously, the case, the Dawn of Majesty case tournament. So the set before uh, burst, I played and lost against Plunder, and it sent mm -hmm. me on a downward spiral for the entire day. <laughs> I literally finished day. that. Yeah, I literally finished that tournament like one four one, and like it was just a nightmare. It was the worst possible. Mm -hmm uh event but uh, i blame it all on plunder <laughs> i hold Yarr. to that deck smacking anybody that plays it for the first time so um hey what is a pirate's a pirate's favorite letter you what <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was too easy. It was, it was too easy to throw you off. That was funny. Um, oh I'll play with it. What is a pirate's favorite letter? You have to guess. A pirate's favorite letter. Is it? Is it R? No, it's C. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I like the plunders. I think pirates are cool and all. I hate playing against that deck. It's frustrating. Shadow Tempest. Yeah. So, yeah. looking forward, you've had your experience with uh, Shadals. You've had your experience with Drytron. What are you doing moving forward? I know there was a Twitter poll. I did not check back to see what won, but uh, what are you doing moving forward? 
I am trying to learn women in bird costumes. Um, that's what's up. Uh, I basically, you know, I need to learn other decks. Um, I have a strange obsession with Drytron. Like, I'm not gonna lie. After playing Drytrons for, what, 12 hours, I went home and I was constantly visualizing Drytron combos. I was, like, obsessing over plays where I could have won, but I didn't. And I even started visualizing other people as cards in my deck. Like, Elise was Cyber Angel Benton, and Cody was Drytron Gamma. And I was like, this is the weirdest thing that could possibly happen. And I was like, I don't know if this is healthy. So, anyway, long story short, I'm learning a new deck. Um, and so I picked Women in Bird Costumes because I think it's a really good deck. I think it's pretty degenerate. Um, and I think it's also, like, I want to prove to myself that I can learn another deck and play it well. Like, I just, as a personal challenge, I want to be able to do that. Plus the deck, it seems pretty challenging. Um, there are a lot of different combos. Like, Tub made that um, combo spreadsheet, which has, like, 60 combos or something like that. And um, I just want to see if I can become good at it, too. That's awesome. Uh that's why I picked. Well, we all know how much I love Flunderies Nuts. It's just <laughs> such a bad deck. <laughs> like, yeah, that deck's not ready. That deck's tough. It's it struggles really badly to um, well effect failure and in perm and ash and droll. You know the deck. Yeah, the deck's got to sit. And Lancia. Yeah. And so. Yeah. What um. A little bit of competitive question for you, a little bit of meta knowledge question. What would you say are like the tier one decks right now? Oh my god, this is I'm getting quizzed now. <laughs> what the hell? Like anyone can well, answer this question. I'm gonna look so bad if I don't know the answers. Listen, we got roasted for our tier list that we did on on last Friday's episode, so don't feel bad. In I don't want to get roasted. <laughs> like yeah, I don't want to yeah. answer. It's okay. I won't post a giant picture with all of your opinions on it on Twitter. That's what I did for mine, and that's what made that's what got me. Oh man, chat! Can you like give me the answers while Sunny isn't looking? We okay, will fine. absolutely allow chat. Tier one. Here. Okay, I will. I will look at chat. Tier one decks are women in bird costumes. Uh, pure style. pure women in bird costumes, or with friends. Um, I think try is better. Fair. But I also don't know how pure works. Uh, yeah, um, I agree. Okay, so this is Sorcel. Um, if you didn't, you did now. Sorcel. Um, I don't know if it's really the best deck. Um, I'm kind of skeptical on how good it is. Um, but it's definitely up there. Um, another deck is PK. That's kind of been a big thing. Yep. Um, Drytron, I will always say, is the best deck. <laughs> Even after it gets banned, I will still say it's the best deck. And then we have, like, you know, some side contenders. We have Sky Striker coming into Rise because of the Phoenix Enforcer. Um, you know, we have uh, Flundry's Nuts kind of 
trying to be tier two, but it's gonna shoot up when the time comes. Um, let's see, what else did I face? I mean, I am curious as to how many of these decks you faced when you were in Denver. Oh, that I can answer. Um, let's see. Um, uh, virtual world. I don't know if virtual world is uh. I I don't know. I think virtual world is a fun deck. I don't know if it's the best deck, but um, what did I play in Denver? I played um, I played Sky Striker. I played women in bird costumes. I played um, ancient warriors. I played women in bird costumes again. I played Drytron. I played a really bad Drytron build that was playing spell canceler. Um, oh, yeah, I should have won that, but I, I, I can't talk about what happened. Um, but I definitely know if I was. Um, not feeling as scared as I was, I would have won because I, I had the right moment to Zeus. Um, okay, and then I played uh, more women in bird costumes. And then day two, I played against um, Live Twin. I played against um, Plunder Patrol. I played against PK. I played against Resourceful. Okay. And was there any deck that stuck out to you particularly as like, ooh, this thing's good? Um, I think the women in bird costumes. Of course. Deck is awesome. Yeah. So I do know that Caleb wants to ask you a couple of questions about said women in bird costumes. Yes. Okay. okay. So now, now we've had a couple of games with it. Uh, what do you think of it so far? I think it's freaking hard. There's so many, so many freaking things you can do, like so many decision trees, and I don't know which is the best one. And I'm still like trying to remember all the effects. Like there are little things like you have to attach a certain one so it can't be taken control of. And if I had done that, then Taps wouldn't have been able to take it with Natasha, um, and I would have won that game. Um, but you know, uh, it's stuff like that. It's just, there's a lot. Um, there's a lot that's easy to forget. Yeah, plus, like, I don't know, like, I have someone else's build right now, um, but they keep changing it, so, like, I'm basically just using a build so that way I can learn, but I'm trying to decide, like, what is a better build? Is it a build with hand traps, or is it a build that mains, like, going second cards? That, I'm not sure. Right. Yeah, it's um there's a couple of different ways to build and play the deck. Um but yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, uh, I mean I me personally I'm going for kind of a in my personal build, I'm doing kind of kind of a blind going first deck version where like first turn depending upon my hand, I'll pump out a uh, Utopic Drake of Future, uh Smorg pointing at Ensemble Blue Robin so it can't be targeted. Okay. But then it also can't switch control. Okay. So or I or I can do tri brigade combos and end on Appaloosa. Yeah, okay. I think th I think that the versatility there is what's really like key for that deck because you can either do the Appaloosa Revolt play and with the Lyrilisk extenders you can pretty easily do like a format Appaloosa 
or you can do like a, a little bit smaller Appaloosa and like an Ansem Blue, or you can go in for like the Smorglock. Ah, I don't know. There's so many different ways and so many different end boards. Oh, yeah. But the best yeah. gives me a headache. But the best part is that if you do if you do a Samor combo and then your opponent ends their turn and some work still on board, you can pump out a Cobalt Sparrow or Celestine Wagtail and get a search, and then you get to draw for your turn. Yeah. Well, if your opponent's leaving Samorg on board, then they're doing something wrong. I don't think uh, ending on Appaloosa is very strong. Um, you know, because everyone's maining droplets and Dark Ruler no more. Um, so I don't think... Like, I wouldn't even play Appaloosa in the bird deck because it's just not a strong ending. Like, try. I don't even think it's that great of a deck because it's like, oh, you end on Appaloosa Revolt. Oh my, I know exactly how to beat that and I beat that a million times. So yeah. I would not really even put that on my end board. Yeah, yeah. and challenge is also a big thing too. Not to like, you know, criticize your gameplay or something like that. Um, no, no, it's okay. I understand. I don't know. Like, it's still a conversation needs to be had because then that's that's how you get. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Innovations in deck building is somebody going. Well, I don't think that's a good idea. Try this thing. Well, I don't think that's a good idea because I've tried that before. But 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 that, that's how you get innovation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I wouldn't say I necessarily have like the knowledge and experience and status to back up my claims. I'm just very opinionated and i think i know everything so yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think that realistically it um Opelous is still an amazing Yu-Gi-Oh card and it's good especially in certain matchups like virtual world and drytron um but the issue is as someone in chat pointed out it's a lot lot better when you have something like io to back it up to protect yeah or a uh, apex avian chilling yeah for negate but yeah good luck um huh. having io as an unsearchable one of that's all I no, no, that's fair that's fair that's entirely fair, fair. yeah um, um i'm not saying you should rely on that but um, not at all yeah yeah i don't uh, know i did play uh, io in drytrons just because i was like very concerned that mystic mine was gonna be everywhere and I didn't run into once in 15 matches, but um, at least from what I heard, like all the lists are running Mystic Mind. And I was like, I refuse to be decked out game one because I don't have an out to Mystic Mind. Like, I care more about like not letting my opponent win by decking me out to have like one order just in case. And if I happen to draw the order um, and set it, along with other cards, then I won. Um, just because Order is like an insane card type of a thing. But I think it would be stronger if, you know, you had like freaking Nightmare Griffin. So you'd send with Beatrice and then set with Nightmare Griffin. I don't know how to do that combo. That's something that is a possibility. Like, if you can rely on having Io there, um, then I think that would be very powerful. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. Um, that I know that there are combo lines to like search and set it, but it's not, it's kind of suboptimal compared to like the, like the other things that you can do. Yeah. Um, funny that you mentioned Mystic Mind. I've encountered that card exactly two times, and both times I was playing Medolce and I just kind of sat there and until I got what I needed and then just negated it with the uh, Medolce Promenade. I'll do the job. Oh, nice. It was, it's hilarious. 
I just um, love that card. Promenade? Yeah. Uh, P-R-O-M-A-N. No, 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 she said no she just I just pulled it. I just pulled, oh, pulled that it. card. I'm sorry, I thought you said spell it. Oh. <laughs> no, I uh, I know how to spell promenade. <laughs> we're definitely going to add a new bit to the show now where we do a spelling quiz because Caleb looked like he was struggling right there. I was. <laughs> um. So we spell do... Spell Appaloosa, uh, that's all I can say. Oh, you know, I've tried so many times and I, I just... I can't. I always get confused over whether or not it's one P or two P's. I get confused on the L's, the S's, the P's. I, I, I'm out on that card. Um, I was good at math and science. I was not good at English. Same. Um, we do want to go ahead and start going to the wind down. What we're going to do is we do a podcast question of the day for every episode. And hey, hey listen, guy in the chat that just said Apollos is a floodgate. You're lying to yourself and everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> that's been a huge debate in our server it's been a big deal it's been a months long debate and we we can't come to a reasonable conclusion like uh, the nearest thing to a, to a reasonable uh, thing we've come across so far is, is that we all disagree that's is that we, it's flood floodgate like oh god we're, how does it always come back to this i don't know oh. it's, become, it's become a meme at this point yeah okay yeah. Sorry. I I don't know what to think about that. I also don't think it matters whether it's a floodgate or not. Um cuz that doesn't really change anything, right? It's it's just a matter of semantics by this point. Patrick Hoven thinks it's a floodgate. Well, Patrick Hoven can talk about it with me on my podcast. That's all I can say. Yo. I'm here for that. I'll watch that. Let's do that. Oh, so would I. That, that, seems, that seems like it'd be a whole lot of fun to watch. Without a doubt. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and recap the last podcast question of the day. Talk about some of the other answers that we've gotten, as well as get your answer if you're willing to give it. And then we have the next podcast question of the day, which is today's. So the last podcast question of the day was, how do you feel about the return of in-person events such as YCSs? Is it a good move or a bad move? Whatever. Um, we got some good, insightful responses. Um, we have a response here from RJ. As much as I miss in-person events, it's probably a bad call. Unlike conventions, Yu-Gi-Oh! takes place entirely in one room, and they're very tightly packed in, and it's a tough space to regulate. We have a lot of people that are very excited and very happy with it, that the proof of vaccination is required being a good thing, as well as the proof of masks, and that that will be the thing that's... Um, that makes it okay. People that are excited to play with real opponents as and think that it's fine as long as it's done safely. Um, I think that there is a good discussion to be had in both directions of this. Um, we do think that that like there's other people in the in our server that answered in the podcast question of the day channel that we have. Uh, several people said good move, but I mean there are a lot of people that still think it's still think it is a bad move. Uh, a lot of people aren't convinced necessarily that they're going to enforce the mask wearing. And, and I haven't been to an event of this size since uh, COVID started. But um, I think that with the right precautions and the right, the right, well, precautions is just the right word. With the right precautions that it can be done. It'll be a little wonky, but it can be reasonably done. So how do you feel about it? I mean, the fact is Yu-Gi-Oh! players 
are not going to wear masks. Some might, um, but it, anytime you go to like locals or any of the events that I go to, like you, your players just aren't wearing masks, um, even if it's been a requirement. So Konami, I hope, has a little more um, is a little more strict with this to enforce that people are wearing masks. Um, but they're going to have to be strict because the fact is that a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh players just don't wear masks. Um, I think having the requirement for vaccination is a really good step. Um, I do think if you are planning to go events, I would consider getting a booster shot. That's like what I'm going to do. Um, you know, just as an extra precaution. Um, I do think that, you know, the joke is that Yu-Gi-Oh players don't shower. Do you really think they're going to wash their hands? Um, is, you know, something that I've said that is a little dark, but, you know, it's up to Konami to really enforce things and make sure that things are safe, you know, have masks available, have sanitizer available, um, and make it something, because people are going to be tightly packed. Um, you know, that being said, I want to go to events because I am not growing going to locals. Um, I freaking top or win locals like 90% of the time um and I just know that like for me to get the real competitive like you know opponents that you know I got in like Denver and stuff like that I have to go to in real life events because that type of event attracts um really competitive players um so for me personally I'm willing to take that risk you know I'm gonna get the booster I'm vaccinated you know, I can wear masks, etc. Um, but in the end of the day, it just comes over, you know, risk versus benefits. Um, I can't tell someone who's not comfortable to go. Um, you know, if you personally don't think it's a good idea, then don't go. Um, but I definitely won't be trying to stop this type of event from happening because, you know, I just... Personally, I find it very important to have these types of events so I can get better and I can see my friends. Um, so that's my answer. I think that that was very well said. Yeah, Mu but definitely much more thought out than the answers we gave. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, like, I mean, I the thing is that, like, like, some people are like, this shouldn't happen you know, we're in a pandemic, and it's like, I respect your opinion, but you could also just not go. Like, I don't think, um, like, I would not tell someone that they should go. Uh, likewise, I don't think someone else should necessarily tell someone not to go. Um, you know, like, I, I think everyone's kind of actions need to be respected type of a thing. Like, we, are vaccinated like and the purpose of that is for things to open up and us to return to normalcy and i think if konami does the right thing and ensures that proper protocols are fixed then i think it's okay to do um but i think if you're at risk or you're not vaccinated then i don't know if it would be the wisest thing for someone to go but i also could not tell you whether to go or not perfectly fair um, I do want to give a quick notice, everybody listening in the chat, if you are interested in asking us or Zara a question, 
uh, that you want answered here on the podcast, now's your chance. Throw those questions into the chat. And in the meantime, the this episode's podcast question of the day that will be posted on Twitter tomorrow morning when this episode goes live. The podcast question today is, do you remember your first Yu-Gi-Oh! event? If, you, if so, how did you do? How did you react? Is there any particular situation that you remember? Um, personally, for me, me and Caleb's first event was actually the same one. We've been playing together since we were children. and Good old kitchen table Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah, for sure. Um, our first event was actually a regional. We skipped locals, went straight to a regional. We we're like, ah, we got this. We didn't even know regional. We didn't. I didn't even know locals existed at that time. Right. So we, <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Um, we started playing in like peak Blackwing format, and what is now considered probably, well, I say peak Blackwings. What is now considered probably Edison format, but like the locale that we were in, everybody was playing Blackwings. So, um, uh, it went poorly mainly because uh, my main strategy was fusion summoning Dark Balter the Terrible out of a 60-card deck. Uh, it did not go well. Mm-hmm. And my strategy was uh, making Five-Headed Dragon and just kind of sitting on him. Turns out we did not know what was... Um, mm. We didn't know what was going on. Uh, we They summoned a Blackwing, and we're like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then they summoned another one. I'm like, wait, there's two. And then they summoned another one. We're like, wait, there's three. <laughs> and then we died. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, my 5000 attack points kind of don't matter against a um armor master. No, it really doesn't. Oh, the difference 11 years makes. So, uh what about you, Zara? What you got anything? Um Well, my my first like non-locals event was that New York tournament. Um that was in June of this year, maybe July. July, yeah. So, um, part of that, I'd only been to like locals or like remote dual locals. Right. Um, what was your other question? I kind of zoned out. Oh, um, <laughs> like, do you remember any particular like things that happened in your first tournament that just kind of stick out to you? Any stories or anything? Um, let's see. Yeah. Um, well, I think what stuck stuck out was that I got to meet like Pack and Gage and Susu and Jen Jen and um, Bean Soldier TV and Dan. Um, and then a bunch of my um, online friends. So that was like a super amazing experience because it's like I've been talking to these people for years. And then I finally got to like hang out with them, and that was like super freaking 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 dope. Um, as for like great stories, um, let's see. Uh, I have a Drytron mirror match story, <laughs> which like might only be interesting to me, but like I can tell it to you. Right, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay, so I was playing against. I was in top four, and I was playing against this guy named Blake. Who had won two LCSs. Um, but I didn't know that. I thought he was just some random kid. He's a and, dude. <laughs> and then he. Uh, let's see. I uh, start with instant fusion. And make millenniumizer shift. And then he. Uh, activates droll. And then I activate millenniumize. And then he activates orange light. And discards another fairy. And then I. 
discard Orange Light and Eva to negate that. So the drill's negated. He has two cards in hand. I banish to add Diviner, and I go full combo, and I won. <laughs> yeah. That... Afterwards, I was like, "Have you ever done a tournament before?" <laughs> and um, he was like, "Wait, you've never done a tournament?" I was like, "No, this is my first big tournament." And he's like, "You're so good." I was like, "Oh, thank you." And then I was talking to Cody, who's like, "Uh." Blake is actually like a really good player and I was like oh and then yeah it was pretty cool that's awesome I just want to say that is the most amazing story I have ever heard in Yu-Gi-Oh in my life <laughs> I think it's spectacular I think it's wonderful just a um, whole lot of you. just a whole lot of Uno reverse cards getting slapped on the table it's great <laughs> oh my god it is classic Yu-Gi-Oh <laughs> um, we do have I know we had one question that came in like way earlier i had to scroll back up to find it i think it's a great question though um from a face in the crowd on your chat hey i'm getting back into the game after a four years hiatus any tips um i think the first tip that i personally would give would be to go listen to um zara pack go listen to cody angelov go listen to elise go listen to um anybody that would be considered a high level or pro player listen to what they have to say listen to their thoughts on the current format uh, watch a lot of, um, I'm so sorry, uh, the DB Grinder. I watched a lot of his stuff, and that has helped me a lot. But most importantly, the most the best thing you can do is um, play as much Yu-Gi-Oh! as you possibly can. That's honestly the best advice I can give. Man, I would uh, give completely different advice. <laughs> but go on. Uh, Caleb, why don't you give your advice before I... Well, my advice was going to be simply just before you drop money to build a deck, build it on Dueling Book and test it there first before dropping the money. You'll save yourself thousands. Potentially. Potentially. Over the course of, you know, several years playing the game. Yeah. What about you? Uh, So I think it's uh, really important to see if you want to play this game before you, like dedicate time and money to it and so i would actually say um you know start by watching db grinder and that way you can see like what are the meta decks what are the different decks out there and you can like look at how they play and you can see which one you're interested in see which one you want to learn more about um then you can use either dueling book or edo pro if you're new to try playing those decks and trying to learn it on your own Um, but I do think it's really important, like, to kind of, before you devote so much time and energy and play Yu-Gi-Oh! as much as possible to see if you're actually even interested in that. Um, because the game might not be for you. Like, if I came back during Pendulums, I would not be playing. Because the game was not interesting to me. I felt like it was just very chaotic and overpowered, uh, uh, well, in theory, I would. I didn't come back during Pendulums, but now that I know what Pendulums are, I, I wouldn't have wanted to play in that format. Um, and then I would also just uh, spend time, you know, watching other people play. That's, like, a great way to learn. I agree. Um, yeah, I tried to come back once during Pendulums, and it didn't work out, so. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, for me to learn how Pendulums worked, I pulled up a tutorial video, and I can't tell you what YouTuber did it. And I Simo. It wasn't Simo. I can tell oh, you that much. He definitely did one. Yeah. And I sat down, poured me a shot, took the shot, poured a second one, had it ready. Whoo! 
Yeah, I don't like pendulums. They're my least favorite mechanic in Yu-Gi-Oh. I don't like them. Yeah. So. I will but, say, in case Triff is listening, pen best deck, but I do not <laughs> believe pen de- is the best deck at all. That's fair. Um, I will be honest, uh, Pendulum as a whole has actually kind of grown, grown on to me a little bit since then, and I now have a more positive opinion of it than I did when I first learned how to what it does and how to do it. I don't like Pendulum at all. I have no respect for Pendulums. I dislike Pendulums greatly, and uh, I look forward to uh, meeting people at YCS Pasadena that are going to tell me differently, but I don't like <laughs> Pendulums. So, um, I'm going to tell Trip. He's going to come after you. It'll Wait, do you know? Do you know? Do you know Triff? Yeah, I know Triff. We're oh, now I'm scared. Tied. Triff is like We're currently muscle. tied right now. He was supposed to come to Denver, but he had to cancel because he got sick. Ooh. And um, yeah, he's a nice guy. Um, yeah, I'll, everything I've seen uh, through Twitter, YouTube, uh, Twitch, everything, he seems incredibly nice. Uh, I have nothing against Triff. I like Triff a lot, uh, but I don't like pendulums. So, <laughs> um. But that'll pretty much wrap us up. Um, thank you so much, Zara, for being on. And for anybody that's interested, like I said, uh, there will be links to her socials as well as her Twitch in our description down below. Uh, Zara, do you have any parting words for our uh, for our audience? Uh, yes. Follow me on Twitter. <laughs> Twitter.com slash Uh And watch my Twitch. Um, and... I don't know, like, come say hi, like, especially at event. Like, I, uh, when I go to events, it's like, there are people who know me, but, like, most people are, like, too afraid to come talk to me. And, like, I'm usually, like, sitting alone, just kind of, like, you know, processing and stuff. But, you know, come say hi. Just, uh, just introduce yourself and have a conversation. One of my, uh, favorite memories, actually, is that uh, this kid came up to me in Denver and he was like, man, I keep breaking in Drytron. Can you look at my bill? Blah, blah, blah. And so we took his deck apart and I started giving him feedback on things that he could do. Um, and it was just like a really fun, productive conversation. And it was really helpful for him. And then it was like helpful for me because I was like, oh, my God, I'm helping someone with Drytron. Ah! I was like super happy. Like, I just want to make as many friends as possible. So, you know, introduce yourself. That's. I mean, that's been really, my favorite thing about this. Yeah, and the other thing is that, like, I'll go to events with my my friend, uh, Luis. He's my friend from locals, and he'll tell me that people come up to him and are like, "Is that Zara?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'll go talk to her," but they won't talk to me. So that's why I'm just like giving a PSA: come talk to me, guys. <laughs> you know, say hello. Well, yeah, Luis is dope. I will absolutely come say hey to you when I see you at Pasadena, if that's okay with you. So uh, only you is not okay. Everyone else is okay. Well, looks like Caleb, you have to be okay to say hi. <laughs> I'll just stand <laughs> off in the corner. Oh, um, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, thank you again so much for being on. It always means the world to us to have a guest be willing, being willing to come on and hang out and you know, have these provoking conversations to get people to think and, you know, get people to uh, hopefully make people better duelists. And to create innovation. Yep, absolutely. So thank you again so much for being on. Thank you, everybody, for listening to today's episodes. Thank you again to our patrons for supporting the podcast. If you need, if you want to find us, you can find us at Top Cut Podcast on Twitter. 
Uh, if you're listening on Apple iTunes, please be sure to leave a re- like and a review through iTunes. Uh, if you're listening to on Spotify, be sure to follow us on Spotify. We post episodes every Tuesday and every Friday, and that's all I got. Be sure to check out our sponsor, ETB Games, in the description below. I should have said that a lot earlier, but uh, it's been an exciting episode. So thank you, everyone, so much, and have a good day, everybody. Take care, everyone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.